So now we'll move on to the next topic, which is stigma, and then I'll have the work to take that over. Hello. Uh, so the next topic of discussion is stigma. And, and the reason that we chose this topic is because we felt it was important to identify and address the different ways in which we tend to have stigma when it comes to mental health within the community and uh, the different approaches that we can take uh, in destigmatizing the topic. Uh, and with that, I'll pass it on to Dr. Motoni to get, give us more about that. I keep talking. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Okay. Thanks, Mogla and Debbie. Um, so stigma. Thinking about stigma. Um, for those that are Christians uh, and that are here on this call, there's a thing called stigmata. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, with that term. Stigmata is uh, it's a term that used to refer to, you know, if, you know how when Jesus was crucified and they nailed him to the cross. So they nailed his, his hands and they nailed his side and his feet to the cross. Uh, and when he came back to life, and I think it was, I'm not very good with the Bible, I apologize. Uh, but when he, he rose from the dead, uh, one of the things that Peter, it may have been Peter, maybe Thomas, it may have been Thomas, the, the doubting Thomas, who wanted to make sure, is that really the same person that was crucified on Friday? And he looked at his hands and he saw the mark on his hand and that's how he knew oh my gosh it is true right so it was a mark that was left here um stigma is when you think about stigma it's a mark usually a mark of disgrace and a mark of shame and i, I I'm, I'm using this i know there are many people here that are um of different religious affiliations. There are people who are uh, inclined one way or another religiously, spiritually. Uh, and I'll come back to trying to tie this way to uh, something that can be victorious, uh, that we can take stigma and turn it into something different other than what it was. In that case of, of Jesus, it was really a mark that, that, that reminded you, it was a mark that of conquest, that, that Jesus conquered, um, whatever it was that nailed on the cross but came back to life uh, and that those marks are a mark of what you have survived what you have lived through in our community the idea of stigma when we talk about mental health uh, it, so it's a mark of disgrace a mark of shame uh, that surrounds particular topics uh, and 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 that therefore leads people to not want to talk about these things, that, that the admission of mental illness uh, is a comes with it a mark of shame. Uh, and particularly for certain groups of people, for all of us in general, but particularly for men in our community, uh, young men are suffering in silence because of the stigma that surrounds mental illness. Uh, we have made this, you know, when I talked about the man in my village earlier, you know, whenever he had his episodes, he had psychotic episodes. I have come now to understand that that's what those were. At the time, we didn't know. We would look at him. We were afraid of him. When he had his psychotic episode, we would shut, we would close ourselves in the house and just sort of be pointing out, oh, look at him, look at him there, and be pointing and saying things about him. Um, be because we came from a place where, again, mental illness was not understood. 
The man was not out to harm anybody. He was really struggling with what was going on in his head. But we took that and made it about us and our own fears. And we heightened our fears rather than focus on the fact that he was suffering. Um, so I think stigma, this is what sort of annoys me about stigma, is that it's selfish. Stigma comes from a selfish place of making things, other people's suffering and illness about us than them. That we are making this about us, then more, more about ourselves than it is about them. And so for that reason, it makes me really mad uh, that we continue to stigmatize mental illness, that we continue to stigmatize seeking help. And so then people have to suffer in silence. Uh, stigma is a powerful thing. There's another, there's a, a story, I don't know if any of you have read a book called The Scarlet Letter. The Scarlet Letter uh, was, again, the idea that uh, women, I think it's based on a woman that, uh, a woman that was caught in adultery and she had to wear the letter A on her forehead so that wherever she went, she bore this as a mark of disgrace and as a mark of shame. And unfortunately, we have done this very thing with mental illness a person who struggles with mental illness. So a person that attempts suicide uh, and by the grace of God survives that attempt, that somehow they are, they are isolated, that we, in, in our community, you sort of like, people are talking about them. You're pointing at someone and so, oh, that's a person that did this. That's a person that did this. That's a person that said this. And so it creates this atmosphere in which people are not willing uh, to seek the help that they need because they're afraid of what that might say about them, what it will mean to other people about them, the fact that they sought that kind of help. It leads to discrimination. Um, and it's, um, it, it perpetrates, it perpetuates actually the very same thing. So when you have a mental illness, when you suffer from a mental illness and then you cannot seek help, then your mental illness is exacerbated by the very inability to seek help because of the stigma. So it's a kind of thing that builds upon itself. Uh, and, and instead of helping, it makes it worse for those people that are struggling. So there's a point, we must learn to break this at some point. There has to be a place at which we say enough is enough. Enough is enough with our being, we are complicit when we, we, we do this, when we don't create a space for people to, uh, to seek help, when we don't communicate to our family members and to our community members that it's okay for them to seek help, uh, that we are complicit in that as well. So we have to not, we, we have to be active and very intentional in providing a platform and creating those spaces where people know it's okay to not be okay. It's all right that you're not all right today. It's all right that you're not okay. It doesn't mean that you're flawed as an individual. It doesn't mean that you're that there's something uh, at the core of you that is evil or wrong or weak. Uh, it means you're having a hard day. You're having a hard week. You're having a hard month or you're having a hard three months and that that's okay. And I'm going to be here for you so that when you, when I'm here for you and I support you, ultimately you will come out of it at the end of it. Uh, so there are external forces that contribute to the stigma that we experience. So it's, you know, all of the cultural pieces where we have been raised. I talked the other day uh, when I was talking with uh, CMBL about, you know, I, I see a lot of people here. I'll say there's a Kikuyu proverb that is, 
uh, that the, the things that are happening within our home, you keep them. So, and that pertains to therapy, but it also means keep that to yourself. Whatever is going on with you, like keep it to yourself. Um, there's a sense that we, we just build this community where people should be strong and, and, and that any sort of illness, then it's a mark of, of weakness. We have to break that. When I think about overcoming stigma, that's one of the things that we have to really grapple with and find ways to address it. Uh, so silence uh, is, is a factor. The other thing that I think is particularly important to mention here is that those external forces, you know, a lot of times when you think about stigma, so, you know, I'm afraid of what people might say. I'm afraid of what people might think of me if I do this. But the unfortunate thing about stigma, uh, sort of even like, you know, think about racism, oppression. You've heard of the term internalized oppression uh, or internalized racism. Uh, and this is where, when you think about stigma, it's internalized stigma, self-stigma, where we ourselves come to believe that that which we're experiencing um, is not a good thing or it says something about us. So that it's not just, you know, like if, I, if I'm experiencing depressive symptoms and I go to Shiro and say, Shiro, I need help. Uh, so I'm afraid of what Shiro will say about me. But I'm also not, it's not just Shiro, but I'm also thinking about for myself, I'm thinking I shouldn't feel this way because it means that I'm weak. So we are, have also taken those messages and internalized those messages uh, about, about stigma and what it means to have a mental illness. Uh, so that leads to fear, that leads to self-judgment and doubting yourself constantly. And then the more the stigma, the greater efforts we make to cover. And the more you try to cover, the less likely it is that you're going to seek help. Uh, so really, really uh, important that we we do break that we are we are really intentional about breaking stigma. Um, stigma leads to a reluctance to seek help and leads to isolation. I talked earlier when we talked earlier about the red flags, uh, Sherry. It's you know that that's one of those things that 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 is a result that people then isolate because you don't want to be around people that might see you behave one way or another. And then you feel like you have to explain uh, that you have to explain your behavior or who you are, uh, or you're afraid to be judged. And so you keep to yourself that people do not, uh, you're not putting yourself in places where you will be judged. Um, an important thing in terms of how do we, uh, how do we, what are some ways to think about mental illness? So the first thing, and it ties back to, to my, earlier conversation about mental illness and that this relates to stigma, that mental illness can happen to any of us. Every one of us at some point could struggle with mental illness uh, in one way or another, different forms of severity. So the stigma that we attach to it, the fact that we know that we all, it's, it's not an unusual thing. I'm hopeful that that can help to reduce the stigma. Um, then also recognizing mental illness as something that is transient. The fact that today I have depression, I know we have instances of chronic depression, but the fact that today I'm suffering from anxiety or depression doesn't mean that I'm always going to struggle with depression. It doesn't mean that I'm always going to struggle with anxiety. It doesn't always mean I'm going to struggle with a substance disorder. Uh, so thinking of, of, of mental illness or mental disorders as transient, 
And that way, we recognize that they do not define the person. An individual is not defined by the mental illness that they're, a child, that they're struggling with. Which also then brings me to talking about the, the language that we use. That's why it was important when I said committing suicide that I corrected myself because the language we use is very important. Language is a powerful tool in breaking stigma or promoting stigma. Uh, we use the term completing suicide or death by suicide rather than committing suicide because there's an implication anytime we think of the term commit, commit is in the context of a crime or a sin. So uh, we are moving away from that language, but also not talking about people. So instead of, for example, one of the things you'll hear constantly has to do with autism. Instead of saying that person is autistic, you'd say a person with autism. Instead of saying a person with, uh, that's schizophrenic, you, we will say a person with schizophrenia because it's a person with rather than a type of person. Uh, and that understanding and that language know, helps us remember that this person can be with this today, they can have this condition today, but next month they may not have that condition. So we don't define people by their conditions or talking about a person as depressive. Um, Again, not very helpful. In fact, I really like there is one theory that talks about depressive uh, depression as um, instead of using the term depression and you say they are depressing, which means that that it's an active verb. They are depressing, so that it also has an end to it. That um, it, it it sort of puts an end in sight to whatever is going on. So language is important in how we think about it. Uh, the stigma, a major way to break stigma is by talking, which we're doing here. And so I really applaud uh, Clear Minds Better Lives for providing a platform where we can talk about, uh, where we can talk about stigma and talk about mental illness because stigma thrives in silence. It counts on silence to be able to continue and perpetuate beyond the present time. So it's very important that we have these conversations ongoing um, and, and we'll give people a platform and people will know that it's okay uh, to seek help. Absolutely. So is this time for questions? I lost track of the chat. Um, yeah, we're good. Okay. So I think we're going to give you a little bit of a break just so you can get ready for the next two topics. And then in the meantime, all of us on the team are going to go around sort of explaining why we decided to do this project, if that's okay with you. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> we'll give you a little bit of a break. All right. So everyone on the team, team can get in. Um, okay. So, um, <laughs> um, why we started clear my minds with our lives, I think the five of us here were, I, I always say we were at a concert and then we, we, we heard that a bunch of close friends had taken their lives. And I think that that projected me to going into the decision of saying, hey, we need to start an organization that's doing awareness for our community. And I think not just the Kenyan community, but the African community as a whole, because I think for such a long time, we've misconstrued what mental health 
is um, and just being able to be okay with the things that Dr. Modoni is talking about, like um, suicide or just being okay to have the conversations. We believe that the more we have these conversations, the easier we can have an understanding. And I think also like to lower the shame that we tend to have when we're talking about mental health. So I think that's, that's a thing that really led to starting CMBL and also my personal experiences myself going through anxiety and depression it's been really hard to go through this those things alone especially like my sister or even my friends not being able to understand how to cope and I love that question because I think it puts in perspective that also other people around you hurt when you hurt um but you know like Dr. Modoni said she said acknowledge those feelings like I think you know, Rachel does want us to mention how the community has perceived mental health for so long. And I think for me, it's been like the perception of like, you cannot say you're okay, because if you say you're not fine, then something's wrong with you. Like something is not right with you. Like, you know, and we're human beings and part of being a human being is also having bad days. It's also having these emotions that are on a roller coaster. And then once you recognize that those emotions are there, you then move towards like, how do I work on these emotions on a regular basis? And and also I think it's a huge part of self-awareness where you get to know yourself and understand who you are. But that's kind of like my in story of Clear Minds Better Lives, but I'll let the last go. Um, yeah, so I primarily joined this project to support my sister. She's a huge mental health advocate, if you know her. Um, but I also thought that the conversation um, of mental health was overdue. Each one of us who serve on this project um, know of someone or know someone directly whose lives have been claimed by suicide. And last year, I think when um, we were sort of unpacking our emotions and talking about our griefs and um, the losses that we'd, we've, we'd experienced, I realized that there was an urgency to expand and normalize the mental health conversation in our community, especially. Um, and so by you guys being part of this town hall today and even posing such great questions as you're registering, because um, we went through them all, really made us like optimistic and hopeful. So um, when we were like reading through them, and let us know that as a community, we're, we're sort of like steering in the right direction when it comes to mental health. So I just want to say thank you for being here, for your presence, and for your questions as well. Um, and for me, I'll kind of e echo what both Shiro and Shetty said. Um, for me, like the need for mental health advocacy came from a place where um, just seeing a lot of young people succumb to you know suicide as a result of like battling like a lot of mental health issues and they're not being a space to really have conversations about this and you know allow them to say that you know they're not okay and allow them to like seek help you know i for me i was like it's really necessary for us to create that space so that we can reduce all these incidences like it, it it got to a point where it's like okay we can keep sitting here and you know talking about oh so and so passed away so and so passed away you know it's time to find solutions and those solutions come through um creating spaces where people can actually start to have this conversation and actually truly begin to understand 
um, what really is mental health? You know, as we as we started talking about like the difference between mental health and mental illnesses, and you know, you can solve something that you don't really understand. Um, and also, when there's that stigma too, like you really can't even begin to have that, those conversations where there's this huge stigma that's been going on. So we, you know, start by kind of dismantling that stigma by creating, you know, sessions like this to educate people and allow people to um, air out their thoughts, you know, ask questions and kind of get to understand um, what, you know, mental health is and how to sort of like you know end this stigma so that for me is why I decided to be part of this organization and kind of push for this advocacy and I have a heart of advocacy in me so yeah um so for me I think it started off as a show of support for my friend uh Shiro as she wanted to start this uh, I know she had personally done a lot for me and uh it started off as kind of like a way for me to kind of like pay back to her as a friend and kind of like support her as she's pursuing her dream. But through it, I started like learning more about mental health and I became more conscious and aware of like my own mental health and kind of like how I was dealing with situations. And I think I've personally kind of grown through as I've strived to understand more about mental health. The topic itself, uh, I've learned a lot about myself too. I think it's helped me uh, grow and I just kind of want to share that too. Uh, but I think with me, there was also like that challenge of like, as a guy, I don't think this is a topic that we delve into. Uh, so, but I understood the importance of it. And I think the challenge for me was like, part of me did not want to, you know, go forth with like uh, tackling this subject. But then there was that realization of like, okay, I can't wait for someone else to do it. So I kind of have to take that ownership and kind of like, yes, it's like uncomfortable, but I have to go through the process of kind of like just doing it. And I think with everyone kind of like believing uh, that has attended, if you can take sort of like, I guess I'd encourage like that mentality of like in whatever space you occupy, if you can just kind of like spread that knowledge or just create an open space where people are able to uh, have those conversations, I think that helps uh, spread uh, the conversation. Um, and yeah. Okay, yeah. So for me, um, for sure, we all joined in support of Shiro, like we've all said. And um, just, you know, being close friends as we are, watching her journey and also being there to experience and being there for her, and even those that we may know that are not part of this group. Um, that really pushed me personally into also learning more and also um, using my voice. I think it's very important as people, um, when you know that something is affecting every single person, mental health is something that we all, it's part of our health, our overall health. It's something that affects us all. And if we don't address these things, you know, it doesn't make sense. It's kind of like, what are we doing? It's the same way, like, if you're not taking care of your health, you know, who are you to blame, you know, when something goes wrong? So the same way I'm trying to take care of my body, the same way I'm learning things to, you know, um, do what's good for me. In that sense, I'm also going to do what's good for me mentally. And I think like what um, 
Deb and Sherry were saying in terms of like safe spaces, I think like there was a period in our close friend group there where um, we, we knew that, you know, we have to practice what we preach in a sense. So we know that in order for us to even be able to do something like this, we want you all to know that this is something that we have implemented into our friend group where we've created a safe space and we, you know, as we were saying how for guys, it's kind of harder to share sometimes, but what we saw is with, with time and with us just having this conversation, we would go out to dinner and then just bring up a topic, you know, and then just start talking. And by even the men that are in our group being in that space, you know, once you see people being vulnerable, then you don't feel as bad or you don't feel like that shame in also sharing and discussing what you're going through. And I hope that by doing this, we also inspire people. Just start, start with your family, start with your close friends, those that are around you and have these discussions. It can be something as simple as like, have any of you like really had a panic attack or like, you know, or there was also a challenge going around of like, how are you really doing? And um, just having those types of conversations and also being in nursing school and just learning more about mental health in that sense has also made me more um, interested. And I actually, that's been one of my favorite rotations and just seeing that everybody has a story at the end of the day. You don't know what someone is dealing with, but you literally don't know. You don't know what it takes for someone to be even standing and talking to you. You don't know what it takes for someone to be at work and just kind of seeing when you read someone's like patient history and you see all the things they've been through and then you just see them walking around talking with a smile on it and you wonder wow you've been through so much in this life and you you managed to push through so those are all kind of factors that have influenced me and have also um, played part in my interest for mental health and wanting to also be part of this group and this project and team. Um, thank you everyone for sharing. Um, we're going to segue into the next topic, but we, before we do, I do want to give you guys a reminder. We are live on Facebook and we're seeing your comments right now. Thank you so much for everyone who's commenting. The questions are off. We may, we may or we may not pick your question just because of time and things like that. We also want to invite you to go to our website. It's just clearmindswithalives.org. We know a bunch of you want to know more content and understand where we're coming from. All our information is on there. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, we are on YouTube as well, and we do want to let you know we will have this recorded as well, so you'll be able to watch it later. Um, and also we. We're on Apple Podcasts and we're on Spotify. So we actually do episodes where we talk about mental health and you're welcome to listen to those, whether you're jogging or, you know, reading a book, you can have those conversations easily. Um, you can have, I'm sorry, you can listen to those conversations easily on your phone. Um, just, you know, you just go to your podcast on Spotify or Apple and you're able to log in there. Um, we did see comments about music on on. Facebook. We will share all our playlist information before the end of this um, of this town hall. So thank you so much again. Uh